this new season that we're in, digging into God's word together. It has been amazing, amazing. I just sensed as, uh, sorry, I'll introduce myself. My name is Pastor Mitch. I am the campus pastor here in Canada. Now I'll get right back into just letting the juices flow. Uh, I have just been, as, as we've been digging in together, I really just saw that sense today that, that the Holy Spirit just wanted to encourage someone this morning because we are on the right track. Come on, we are running a good race, right? We have set amazing goalposts, and I know that it's important for us to just shroud each other and cover each other in prayer, because you know what the enemy doesn't want is for a church to be founded and set upon the word of God. There is nothing more than than sets hell to shaking than a church that says we will stand on his truth. And so if you're here today, and this has been a difficult week, and you've been trying to track along with HeartStrong, and it's just been hard, I want to encourage, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Pick right back up where you left off. You're not too far. If you, if you haven't started with us yet, you just sense like, oh, it's probably too late for me. I'm already, you know, 20 chapters behind. You can do it. You can do it. You can pick up your word today, and you can make that appointment with Jesus that says, hey, God, I know I haven't yet, but I'm going to. This is such an encouraging part of what it is that we're doing. We are becoming heartstrong together. I want to thank each and every person that is engaged to some level, at some extent, up until this point, whether you're online in the morning or in the evenings, tracking along at your own pace. We had over 50 people out on Tuesday night here together in person, just sharing in community together. I absolutely love that. Community is so important. It's so important. And if you find yourself today, you're like, listen, pastor, I've been journeying through Heartstrong, but it's hard to do on my own. I'm finding it hard to be motivated. Well, let that be a reminder. You're not supposed to do this on your own. Join a life group. Make a commitment. Find a friend and say, hey, can you help me? We're going to read through this together. We are stronger in twos and threes. We are not called to walk this road alone. This morning, we're going to continue on in week three of this brand new series. By the time we are done this week, we're going to be in Mark. Didn't they go fast? Isn't that fast? Like we're already, by the time we hit next Sunday, we will already be in the second gospel. Matthew will be just words that are settled in our heart, words that we can sink our teeth in and stand upon, but we will begin uh, the next gospel of Mark. And so I want to encourage you today, jump aboard. This has been a ton, a ton of fun. As we did last week, uh, asking, are you tired? A lot of our messages in this season are going to come in the form of questions. And so our question that we want to answer today is this. Are you annoyed with people? Let me finish. Are you annoyed with people who are all talk and no action? Woo! Are you annoyed with people who are all talk and no action? Like when I tell my kids I'm going to make something other than KD, and they look at me like, mm-hmm, we'll wait until we see it. Though this is, this is something that's so important to me. I remember even when I was growing up, it was something that, there's something about, about just being a person of your word that is so important. 
right? Especially in a day and age where people just say things in order to get clicks. There are articles right now in different news sources that are, are intentionally negative, not even because the author necessarily believes that thing, but because they know it would elicit a response. So in the day in which we live, it's so important that we are a people who are set on our word and that we then follow it up with action. There is nothing worse uh, than being told something that you know there isn't going to be any follow through in. Just this week, I had the great opportunity of sitting with one of our junior highs, 12 years old, and uh, he was sitting at a table and uh, was talking while he was quizzing myself and a couple other people, and he looked to us and he said, how good is your knowledge on facts from 1871? said, you're 12 years old. Like, how do you even know that that date exists? He said, how good is your knowledge from 1871? I looked around the table and I saw blank stares staring back at me. And so I, you know, mostly because I could tell this was going to be rough. I said, hey guys, we're good. We weren't good. We weren't good, all right? But I wanted to encourage the table, and he started to quiz me on tuberculosis and all these other things, and I just want to give a shout-out to Jeremy, one of our junior highs, who is just massively more smart than me. I should have just admitted in that moment that I was going to fail the test, but Jeremy, I wanted to impress you. If you're listening to this today, I just wanted to impress you, dude. That's all it was. But it can be hard for us when we're sitting in a place where we're all talking no action. Maybe you've heard this classic example of, uh, of being in church where you share something with somebody and they say, oh, that's awesome. I'll pray about that. It's so important, church, that when we say those words, that we carry it through with action. Amen? It's important to encourage someone today. It's important to let them know, hey, I'm listening to you. But even more important is to take it to God in prayer. It's important for us to build community in this place, but it's going to be so difficult if there's a lack of trust. I'll pray for you has to be more than a catchphrase. And if you don't know facts from 1871, just tell the 12-year-old. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe you've been in a different situation where people have said things to you. Maybe you've been in a situation where people have said things to you multiple times. They've given you reassurances over and over and over again. Yes, honey, I'm going to paint the living room. Yes, honey, I promise I'm going to paint the living room. Now, if that's you and you're like, oh, I've heard that before, the, the specifics there is timing, right? You timing, you need to say, when do you want it painted? The, 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 maybe the heart is in the right place, but it's so important for us that as we're journeying together, that we are more than just a people of talk. Knowing God is one thing. Having a, a robust theology, an understanding of what the Bible says, even as we're journeying through Heartstrong, it is important for us to have the Word of God as a foundation. But it's equally as important for us to stand up and stand on His Word. And to walk it out each and every day. Simply letting the world know what it is that we're reading is not going to carry as much weight as our lives lived out every day for Jesus. So let's take a look at Jesus himself. We're going to be reading from Matthew 23 this morning. 
Let's take a look of how Jesus addressed this during his day. Maybe you've heard this word before. There was a really stinging, uh, a really just kind of gotcha word that you'll read through in, in the Bible. You don't hear it very often, but you do hear it a lot when it's associated with the church. So in English, there's this word that Jesus uses, which would be probably more easily translated as actor, but in the Aramaic, it's translated as hypocrite. The translation of this word is that you merely are playing on a part while insisting that others live by this thing in real time. Jesus levied this criticism of hypocrisy mostly towards the scribes and Pharisees of his day. When we think about them, we usually normally think about how they were religious leaders, but that isn't the full story because not only were they religious leaders, but in this system that was set up for the early Israelites, not only were they religious leaders, but they carried legal implications, social implications, even political influence were held by these Pharisees and scribes. So Jesus wasn't simply talking to the church. He was talking to each and every one of us that have influence in those and with those who are around us. It's important that when we speak, we are ready to follow it up. And that we don't speak simply to make the weight on other people's shoulders heavier. See, this was one of the things that the, the Pharisees were so good at. They were so good at reminding everybody of the 613 laws found in the Old Testament. They were so good at reminding everybody of where they were falling short. But if you follow their example, if you follow the example of their lives, you would have wondered if they even knew what the words they were saying that were coming out of their mouth. See, Matthew's gospel is so good. We've already established that Matthew's gospel shares about a Jesus who is with us. Amen? It's God with us. But it gets better than that. Listen, not only is God with us, he's for us. I'm going to say that again. Somebody needs to hear that today. Not only is God with us, he is for us. I know you believe in God. Or maybe you're here today and you're wondering if you should believe in God. But let me tell you this. God believes in you. Isn't that a beautiful mystery? Isn't it a beautiful mystery that God's plan to set Ottawa free is to use broken people like you and I to do it? Like God, he believes in you. He sent his son to die on the cross because a relationship with you was that important to him. He wanted you to know that your sins are forgiven, washed under the blood. I know, and maybe you're struggling today and wondering where it is that your belief actually is, but God, he is for us, church. And he invites us to come to him, to cast our cares onto him and to learn from him. Matthew 11, 28, this is going to be an underlying verse. You'll hear it again at the end, but I want you to to hear this verse and set it on your heart as we're reading through all of the don'ts that Jesus is going to spell out to the Pharisees and to us today. Matthew 11, 28 says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for each and every person in here today. God, some of us have had amazing weeks, and I pray that testimonies would ring out in this room today of how great you are. God, for those that 
can't get on top of the mountaintop and, and, and shout those things today, Lord, I pray that each and every burden, that every single care would be laid at your feet today. God, hard weeks do not mean that you aren't close. Hard weeks simply mean that we have someone that we get to lean on. And so, Lord God, as we lean into your word today, may we sense your presence so close. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. In this season that you're in, and just sense that, that motivation from the Spirit today, I think it's important for us to ask, you know, how do we come close to Jesus? How is it that we can cast our cares on Jesus and learn from him? Our response is not to play the part of a Christian. Our response and our responsibility is to learn how to live this out every single day. To give up the mask, uh, that could be so easy. Uh, if you've been in church a long enough time, it's easy to pick up the way to talk. It's a lot harder to pick up the way to walk. Toward the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus begins to walk this out with the Pharisees. They know the talk, but they are terrible at the walk. And as Jesus is getting closer and closer and closer to the cross, his, his, his messages and his encouragements, uh, they begin to divide even more. He begins to let them know that the kingdom that God the Father is about to set up through him, it's not going to be for everybody, but it is going to carry a weight. There is a fulfillment of the law that comes in Christ. Matthew 23, 1 to 4 says this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. They sit on a seat of leadership over the believers. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move with them. Are, but, sorry, but they themselves are not mo willing to move them with their finger. Jesus says, listen, what they're saying is good. Do what it is that they say, but don't do what they do. This seems to be the model that the Pharisees are asking the people around them to carry. Listen, here are all the rules, here are everything that's set up, and it is your responsibility to live this way. And they carried this, this a rule and authority that they were kind of beyond questioning. There, there wasn't anybody within the crowd, it seems, until Jesus that was willing to step up to the Pharisees and say, yeah, but what about your life? The Pharisees had enough influence, they had enough opportunity uh, to get away from those things, and yet Jesus knows that it's not man that he has come to please. Jesus knows that he stands within an audience of one. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and cuts to the very core of the issue. Listen, it's not what it is that you're saying that's the issue. It's the fact that your life has no follow-up. It's just words. They developed this rule of life that they had convinced everybody that by making their lives more difficult that they could simply live in a world of peace. But Jesus is the opposite, isn't he? Jesus is just the best. Jesus walks into this community 
says, look at all these people and all the burdens that they're heaping upon you. But if you actually go to the Father, he will make your burden light. Jesus goes to people that the Pharisees wouldn't even be willing to stand in the presence with and says, hey, I see your sin. I see your malady. I see what it is that's going on. I see what's affected your physical person. But God the Father has come for your soul and he's going to heal your body today. But more important to that is where it is that you end in eternity. See, the Pharisees were so focused on what it was that was taking place in the physical and what it was that they could accumulate in the material that they would forgotten that for the entire Old Testament, God was more concerned about the heart position of the Jewish people than he was about their power or their influence in the current day. And so Jesus continues to go into, and there's seven woes that Jesus walks the Pharisees through. Everybody say, whoa. No, everybody say, whoa. Everybody say, whoa. <laughs> there are seven different woes that Jesus walks the Pharisees through, and we're going to go through them very quickly today. But I want you, I think it's important that we do this, that as we're reading through Scripture, that we don't do just what the Pharisees would have done. See, even in this portion of scripture, Jesus is laying out what people shouldn't do or what the Pharisees shouldn't do. But in those words, there is the opposite present as well. Hello? In those words, there's the opposite present as well. This is what we shouldn't do because the kingdom of God actually looks like this. And so as you hear these woes today, I also want you to ask, okay, but what does Jesus looks like? Matthew 23, 13, but woe to you. Someone say, woe. There you go. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven and people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. The Pharisees had set up all of these great pieces of advice. They kind of knew all the talk. They knew what it was and, and what the, the God of the Old Testament, like he, they understood it all. But the problem was, is that all of those rules, all of those legislations, unless they were lived out in relationship to the Father, unless they were lived out in relationship within the Christian community. They don't lead you anywhere but pain. Church, God is not trying to crush you under all the rules. Hello? God is not trying to crush you under all the rules. Being the best rule follower does not make you the best Christian example. Check, check one. Okay, you with me? Being the best rule follower does not make you the best Christian example. You can get all of the rules right and have not an inch of love in your heart. This is exactly what God is telling the Pharisees. Listen, you have set up all of these things. You know the rules. You know what it is that the Old Testament says, good for you, but you don't actually love those who you're talking to. And so even if they want to do what is right, they look at you and you've set up this barrier. Because even if they want to get closer to God, the Pharisees had been elevated to this, this status and this position that even people who wanted to get closer to God didn't really want to look anything like them. This is the beauty of what Jesus is saying. 
Come on, church. It's not just about the rules that we follow. It's about who we are in Christ. They came at Jesus for not following the Sabbath. They came at Jesus for all these different things as he was showing love to God's people as he was actually fully functioning in this beautiful uh, completion of all 613 rules. Jesus never failed. He never actually broke a single one of them. But what he did is he pulled the heart out of the Old Testament. He brought the Father into the Old Testament and showed the community who he truly was. Jesus was someone worth following. These Pharisees, these hypocrites were not. Matthew 23, 15. Whoa! Someone say, whoa. Oh, wow. Wake up, people. Whoa! Here we go. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and land and make a single proselyte, a single disciple. And when they become a proselyte, you make them twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Okay, Jesus. Okay, well, what does this mean? Well, what it means is Jesus is telling people that if you've set a poor example, just because somebody is following you doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. Right? This is important for us, church, as we look towards that generation that's coming behind us. For those young lives that, that are learning right now, that are becoming heartstrong along the same, it is so beautiful. I don't know. If you don't have a friend who's got a young kid and heartstrong, find one today. Because it is so cool to see a nine-year-old just ripping through 18 chapters of the Bible. It is the best. It is absolutely amazing. And this is what is important for us. It is important for us as the church to make sure that our example is set on the foundations of the kingdom so that those who follow us, those who we are discipling, that they wouldn't look more like us, but that they would look more like him. Jesus is telling them, listen, you have set people up to fail, but in Christ there is freedom. Jesus says, listen, in following the Pharisees, you may have position, you may have power, but those things do not inherit the kingdom of God. If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you have to be the least. You have to serve. You have to walk into every situation and say, God, do not allow people to shower me with praise. Do not allow people to shower me with honor. All of it unto you in Jesus' name. Matthew 23, 16 to 17, he goes on, he says, Whoa, woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Jesus here calls out the priorities of the, of the Pharisees. He says, you guys, have, you've lost the mark. You've made that which resides within the temple more important than the temple itself. And the temple at the time of these, of these Jewish people, it was the, the physical symbol that God was with them. But the Pharisees had said, it's not about God being with us. It's about what we can get out of God being with us. Ugh. Imagine Jesus framing this in this mind, and, 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 and let's not forget that he is physically God with them. They have missed it so much. They have twisted the message of the gospel so much that people weren't even, they weren't even drawing people's attention to the fact that the Messiah was standing right in front of them. And Jesus was saying, listen, it's a, you're putting more weight on the gold that you can buy in Caesar's kingdom than you are putting in the people that are standing around you that make up the kingdom of God. 
If our life is only about God and only about what God can provide us, then woe to us, just as woe to the... And he continues here in Matthew 23, 23, woe! To you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Again, Jesus leads in and says, listen, you understand the principle of tithing, but you don't understand the heart of tithing. Church, it's so important. We do this each and every day. If you were here uh, right at the beginning at nine o'clock, thank you for being on time. We honor you. Uh, But if you were here at the beginning, you would have heard Paul, our amazing host, who's going to come up in just a couple of seconds, encouraging uh, and thanking each and every one of you for tithing and giving and uh, investing in what it is that God is doing uh, through Life Center Canada. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today that it's more about the heart of what it is that we give than the number that we give. Hello? Hello? It's more about the heart of what it is that we give than the number that we give. Let's not forget the examples that would have blown everybody's mind. There's this little boy as God is saying, how are we going to feed these 5,000? And there are grown men and grown women sitting in the, in the midst of that with, with full-time jobs and, and amazing careers and not one of them offer anything up to help pay, to help pay the way to feed the 5,000 that are gathered. But a young boy brings a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread, and God multiplies that. God multiplies that to feed those who are sitting there. Church, God can take what it is that you give if you honestly surrender it to him, and he can multiply it right in this place. I believe... I believe, just as Jesus himself was encouraging us to believe, that it's not about the number that we give. It's about the love that we have for God as we give it. There's a principle of tithing 10%, but all of it belongs to God. We have the great opportunity to steward everything that God has given us. And we give back 10%, but honestly, it's so much more important to give it out of a place of love and a desire to see the kingdom of God move. Matthew 23, 25 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean. He says it again, and when, when God repeats things in his scriptures, we have to pay attention. Verse 27 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Aren't you so excited that Jesus is the exact opposite of that? I love scripture. There's a portion of scripture where it says that Jesus was nothing special to look at. It's like my favorite part, right? Like, like you got Jesus' best friends and the disciples who like they're writing this thing and they're like, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> right? Like his nose was a little big. Like he couldn't grow like, you know, that piece of hair that connects the beard. Like he couldn't, the whole time we knew him, he couldn't, right? They're like, he wasn't really anything special to look at. Because that wasn't the important part of Jesus. And church, that's not the important part of us. 
The Pharisees could have had the nicest clothes on, the most expensive perfumes of the time. As they walked around uh, uh, the city streets, I'm sure they had bags full of coins so that people could hear what they were worth, not just see it. Jesus says, but that's not what this is about. You know the rules, you know the law, you know the scripture, but your life doesn't model that you know it at all. Good theology is important, amen? It's important. And we stand on God's word in this church. We wrestle with God's word because it's so fun. It's so fun on Tuesday nights and, and, and the mornings and Heartstrong to just wrestle through God's word. There's been some great questions that come out of really hard portions of scripture. And guess what? It's okay to ask those questions. Good theology is really, really important. But a heart sold out to Jesus, that's what will change the world. Good theology is really, really important. But a heart sold out to Jesus, that's what will change the world. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. It's really hard to argue someone into the kingdom of heaven. It's really hard to stand in front of your friends who don't believe in God and come up with this super compelling argument, come up with this super just mind-blowing example of why God is real, and they leave the argument being like, ah, perfect, that's all I needed. 99% of the time, the things that change people's lives are that lives dedicated to Jesus look different. Lives dedicated to Jesus walk into everyday situations and they come out of them in a different way. Hope where there shouldn't be any hope. Peace where peace shouldn't be attainable. Love in the face of hate. Kindness when others are, 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 are just showering upon you the, 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 the bullying practices and, and, and online, online attacks and all these things and you're able to stand there and say, hey, I hear what it is that you're saying, but what you're saying is not who I am. And people look at you and say, well, how can you say that? Well, I know who made me. Well, how can you say that? Well, I've seen him show up and do this. I've seen him show up and, and he moved in this way. You know, my own life was heading this way and then Jesus. And I couldn't have done it without him. But your family's sick. You, you don't have a good paying job or maybe you just lost that job. And how are you able to smile like that? Because I know that I know that I know that he that is within me, he's going to see me through. And I may not see where this path is taking, but God hasn't failed me yet. And I don't know what the answer to this prayer is gonna look like. I don't know what the full journey is gonna be, but I know because I'm in a community of other believers who constantly remind me, who constantly share testimony that even though I can't see God in the middle of it, he's there. And I'm not just a whitewashed tomb. I may not have the flyest clothes, best dance moves yeah thank you but I know that I know that I know he that is within me save the world church this is what we're called to be great theology is fantastic but a heart dedicated to God will change the world 
And so when you're reading through scripture and you see Jesus coming down on the Pharisees, it's not just about looking and seeing of what we're not supposed to be. It's about remembering that Jesus was a direct contrast to everything that he was talking about. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Paul to come up and close our service. God, we thank you so much. You are worthy. And I just pray that over each and every person today, here today, God, that they would have that deeper understanding, Lord Jesus, that it's not just about what we're not to do, but it's about setting the example of your son before us. God, we want to look like your son. We want the world to see, Lord God, that we are instruments of encouragement. God, that we are vehicles of hope. God, that we soar on the wings of peace. God, I pray that it wouldn't be our words that would change this city. But instead, God, let it be lives sold out to you. Simply looking for different opportunities to serve, for different opportunities to be the least, for different opportunities to show you, God, through the miraculous life of one who lives for you and you alone. And so we ask this today, God, I pray that you would continue to make us heart strong. In Jesus' name.